Yes, my name is John Beitner. I'm the Professional Development Manager for ACA's Western Region. I've got two exciting guests with me today. Today, we're going to be talking about mindfulness practices at camp. And I'm so excited to introduce you to Susan Fee and Tanya Mills. Susan Fee is a therapist, author, and national trainer based in Seattle, Washington. She specializes in helping clients develop their personal and professional communication skills. She delivers training to individuals and corporations on communication skills, conflict resolution, resiliency, motivation, and presentation skills, as well as providing voiceovers for audiobooks, training videos, and commercials. Susan's an author and uh, has some great titles, The Manager's Motivation Handbook, 101 Ideas and Insights About Resolving Conflict, 101 Ideas and Insights About Making Your Message Stick, Circle of Friends, and perhaps my favorite, My Roommate is Driving Me Crazy for, uh, for college kids. Um, so Susan, we're very, very glad to have you uh, with us. We also have Tanya Mills. Uh, Tanya Mills is the founder of Ananda and Joy. She is a certified yoga and meditation instructor, child and adolescent development manager, and senior leader for Disney Cruise Line based in Los Angeles. She obtained her 500-hour yoga certification in the beautiful yoga capital of the world, Rishikesh, India. Tanya has worked with youth for over 18 years in many capacities, including schools, homes, clubs, on board, and at camps. She has been a leader for over 15 years and passionately fuses her knowledge and experience together to create mindful leadership teams. Tanya believes that we can make all make impacts in our life uh, when we bring our own peace if we are given the right tools. So those are your those are your formal bios, but I would love to hear you hear more from you about how you apply mindfulness in these ways. Susan, let's start with you. Yes. So first of all, I'm so glad to be here. I'm glad you're offering this information. Um, so I'm going to take it from two angles that you mentioned. I'm a therapist and a writer. And in therapy, um, we think about mindfulness. And sometimes I don't even use that word, but I just say, let's be right here right now. And that's kind of an old term or trope from therapy for a long time. But what it means is, um, instead of, of all the hurts that happened in the day or in the years or in your childhood, just for a moment, let's just be right here, right now. How are you experiencing me? How am I experiencing you? What are you feeling at this very moment? Let's just start here. And it's a very hard thing to do, especially it with couples counseling or family counseling. And then you think of camp, right? Because it's all relational and forget what happened during the whole year. Could we just start here? So that's a, a definition of mindfulness for me. And therapy is right here, right now, right here, right now. It's a hard place to hang out, right? But I like all the feels. So how are you feeling right here, right now? Or I just said a comment right here, right now, how did that impact you? And the other part of how I think of mindfulness in helping people tell their stories, which is therapy, helping people tell their story, a, a wounded story to a healing, but also in, in personal storytelling on the stage, which is another part of what I do in writing and in storytelling, we go by a phrase, notice what you notice, because people ask, what do I write about? What do I speak about? Well, notice what you notice. And we think that everybody notices the same things we notice, but it turns out not at all. We all have our own lens. So on my walk during the day, what do I notice? 
And if you went on the walk during the day, what do you notice? Or just when you walk into a room. So those two ways are, are those paths or the way that I teach and experience mindfulness on a daily basis. Excellent. Excellent. And, and Tanya, you're, you're applying this too in your work. Tell us, tell us about that. Yes. Um, again, different paths um, as a leader and in charge of other leaders and leading specifically on cruise lines. Um, you know, that's a, a very hustle and bustle type of um, lifestyle. It's a, it's pretty nonstop. So in order for us to actually take time, even if it's two minutes away, to reconnect with ourselves and reconnect with each other. I make that a part of the day-to-day -day with my leaders and in the hopes that that is inspiring and motivating them to do so, trickling down the tree, um, helping with counselors and then counselors you know, assisting children. And this also um, applies to at camp. So yes, at the moment it's cruise line um, that's in my work, but it's also, I've always tried to kind of carry this over and hopefully futures even doing more so with camp. So mindfulness, uh, very similar. I love how Susan put it um, with the, the present moment. So for, for me, the way um, I like to kind of talk about mindfulness is the, it, it's being aware of your present. Um, and so I try to have that that hold that space for people just to stop and to just feel whether it's emotions, whether it's just the, the air con on your skin. I mean, whatever it is, just taking that time to actually sit with where you're at um, and then see what comes up organically through that. And, and that's kind of how we will pivot, whether it's a conversation we have to have, whether it's a meeting to be led, you know, starting off meetings with um, a mindful act of what, what are we trying to achieve together? Is it a common goal? Is there, a um, individual intention that we're setting here. So there's a lot of different realms. And I think, it, it, of course, everything can be very situational to what you're about to approach. But I find that by taking my leaders and my teams in pausing, um, I love the word pause because I feel like that's so often needed in our lives, just to pause, recenter, reconnect, connect with yourself. And then that allows you to connect with others. And that's kind of my angle and how I approach life. <laughs> excellent, excellent. So um, when, when are you using these techniques? Um, Susan, it sounds like this is an important part of your practice, uh, both for the speakers that you're helping um, and anyone that you're counseling. Um, what, what's your methodology to, to get someone to be present, to, to center as Tanya was saying? Yes, and so part of it is, and think of it in a, um, a, a relationship of just noticing. So the person, I have to be mindful as well, not to go from meeting to meeting to meeting, but to, to take a moment in between and transition and think about camp activities, right? It's boom, 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 boom. So it's really important to, to just for the, the leader to quiet 30 seconds. Who am I seeing? What, what is my, what is my, um, intention, as Tanya said, with this next interaction and take that breath. Um, I think about everyone getting vaccines right now, you know, and everyone comes in with a story and hopefully that practitioner is just each moment taking a moment to just connect with that person. So connecting. So first of all, it starts with me always. Second, notice what I notice. Hey, I noticed when that topic just came up that your voice raised. 
just tell me about that. And so it's the, it's the micro moments that I try to highlight um, in, in camp. It's all about being a problem solver sometimes and putting out fires, but but in counseling, mental health counseling, something called solution focus, we're looking for the space between the problems. So it's not problem centered as well. What, when is this not happening? We could talk about when it's happening. When is it not happening and expanding that? So I notice I listen and show up in a very particular way. And that is to notice the space in between the problem and slow down or pause as Tanya said and expand. So it's really kind of like molasses a little bit. And then if people start that knee bobbing and they're nodding, like, could you move on to your point? I, I always say, this is the point. <laughs> this is it, people. I went to school for years to do this. <laughs> <laughs> to get right to this micro moment. And, and I noticed that this irritate, you seem irritated. Tell me about that. So it's, you know, uh, therapy in that way, it's the greatest job in the world. Just show up and be present. Yeah. You don't have to. But it prep a lot. <laughs> you just have to show up. Read the seconds by seconds. Yes, yes. Um, so, so Tanya, yeah, you're, you're. I know, I, you, I know you've got camp experience, and that's like Susan said, boom, 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 rushing from area to area and things. Um, I imagine the same thing is is happening on cruise ships. That it's a very packed schedule, um, and with Disney, you must see a ton of children. Um, how do you stay present? How do you help your your staff stay present with that kind of breakneck speed that everything's happening at? Yeah, well, I think a lot of times the way I like to explain it to, because um, I also do one-on-one -on -one work um, with individuals and helping them on their personal basis of having tools and implementing them, I kind of break it down into two categories. You have your proactive tools that you you put into your day-to-day, -day. they're part of your schedule, they can be part of the team schedule, like, you know, meetings and things like that. But if you're adding these little touches to the beginning or the end, um, it's not just a meeting anymore. It's also time to connect and having that union. Um, so I, I approach it with there's a proactive approaches in our toolbox. I love using the analogy of toolbox. And then you have your reactions because life happens. And sometimes you're like, oh, I didn't have a program meditation right now. Like how am I, <laughs> I need to calm down, but you know, so, so I kind of, I, I like to structure it in that way, especially for those that do love structure um, to saying like, okay, what are, what are we doing proactively today? So are you waking up and are you, is your mindfulness just the way you eat breakfast? You know, it doesn't have to necessarily you know, create a time. Uh, so sometimes when people feel like they're crunched for time, they're like, well, I can't add a meditation. And I think you can have a mindful meditation while you're showering. Like you can, you can add it if you need to, if you do feel like, because the last thing you want is any of this to feel stressful. So I, I really try to meet people where they're at already. And then we grow and develop from there. Um, so that's kind of how I approach the proactivity. What do we already put into our day? And then the reactive tools is, okay, you have a very upset guest and you needing to take a couple seconds before you even go out there to talk to them because you need to be in that balanced state of mind to, to check in. Or you have a child that is very upset. You know, we see a lot of separation anxiety. We have children that are left for the first time with quote unquote strangers, right? We're strangers until we meet. Um, and, and so you have to still come in. You, if you're coming in there nervous, that energy is going to be felt by the whoever that counterpart. So 
you know, and then those are your reactives. So, okay, you're about to need to react to this. You're, something has happened. Now let's take a tool out, whether it's a four-part breath, whether it's a quick meditation, whether it's a focus, concentration, whatever it is, um, let's use it as a reactive tool now to go into there. And then there's even times um, while you're having the conversation, I know I often turn to some of my um, mudras, so the hand gestures, while I might be having a conversation with someone where I'm like, okay, I'm receive i'm i'm like remaining open right now like so i'm pulling up my mudra you know so things like that as well so it's a combination of proactive and reactive um tools is how i like to phrase it excellent and have you found that's that's having a positive effect on your interactions or your staff interactions with with customers absolutely i think okay. i think because it comes from the the intent is to listen i think more times than not when you're going into a a conflict if you're if you, especially if in a work where you are the employee and you're here to bring comfort and ease to a guest um your intent is to bring that to them so i think by having this approach to go into with that calmness it also creates i think an a underlying sense of trust um without you really having to do much convincing because it's it's your presence that you're bringing into that um, where if, you know, a lot of times if you're, if your goal is just to be right or just to be heard, your myth, that also, also can be felt. So I think by teaching and leading my leaders to, to remember your intent, what is the intent? What is the, whether it's the company goal, your individual goal, like, is it positive, keep it positive and then move it in that direction. Um, and I think people can feel that. So I do think that that's it, what it does is creates a calmer state to their mind, but it also creates actual true, like an organic connection between the person to the because it's based off of something genuine. It's based off of a, an, a want to, to make things better. Excellent, excellent. All right, well, uh, I think you've provided an excellent bridge into some of these sort of practical uses for it. So thinking about camp, um, summer camps, either resident camps or day camps, um, to me, resident camps seem to have a little more time built in. Day camps seem to be kind of faster paced as they're moving from program uh, area to program area. But what are some of the applications you would use in a camp setting? Um, if you were supervising camp staff, how would, how would you uh, give them some advice? Um, and this is to, to either of you, if, if you, uh, you want to jump in and, and talk about use of it in program areas too, like the ropes course or, you know, archery or swimming or whatever, what, what comes to mind? Um, well, I can start with just a few ideas. Um, I think camp is so, it's just prime for this because what are we, what are we being aware of and paying attention to? You can go to your five senses. So if you think about exercises to use your five senses, um, that's in nature that's in notice what you notice in in with the people that you're with um so that those exercises i love right now and 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 when people are having anxiety and panic attacks which you know <laughs> camp's just a microcosm of society so all these little kids and and the counselors are experiencing these things too on on certain levels so um at any moment, even when a child's scared about doing something and bringing it back to the present before we start our meal, before we start this next activity. Right now, everybody, five senses in your mind. What can you see? What can you touch? What can you hear? 
And taste is kind of interesting because that's a harder one to do at all times. So on taste, when I'm helping people just through the pandemic, you know, do their five senses at their office, because they're having, I mean, at their office in their home, I just ask them to keep some Tic Tacs nearby, because it's just a one very small thing. It's not about emotional eating, so we don't cross over into unhealthy behavior. But can you just have this Tic Tac and taste it and not chew it and just be (laughs) with that? moment, right? So the, I think the five senses help. I think doing nature walks with notice what you notice. I noticed um, my neighborhood, it seemed, I don't know, the little little painting fairies, I don't know who they were, are, started to paint lovely messages on rocks and put the rocks along walks with little messages on them. I think that's a great arts and craft activity and a great joy to plant your rock somewhere in hopes that somebody else finds it somebody else finds the rock and the message and the the moment is how did that message make you feel so there's a connection there's um the the tactile you know what the sense of touch for many kids who who come with ADHD diagnoses and need manipulatives, you can create your own. You can use different fabrics and you can use different wood products, sandpaper, pine cones, rocks. And and you can just say at any moment, can you go pick up one of these special rocks and just feel how it feels? So, So camp is just prime for this, <laughs> prime for this, uh, of, of filling those senses. And then, it, then, of course, because I'm a counselor, I wanted to go back to how does that impact how you feel? What if you were breathing a little bit slower, a little bit faster? How does that impact things? This can take 30 seconds, 60 seconds. The big storm comes in. It doesn't have to be scary. What can you notice about it? Yeah, we're sitting out not doing our field trip right now. <laughs> How can this be a different experience using mindfulness? So those are just a, a few ideas that come to, to top of mind. Excellent, excellent. Tanya? Um, yeah, I think you mentioned the ropes course and that's kind of, you know, a, a could possibly be a fear-based activity for, for children as other, there are other fears, perhaps even like swimming pool, things like that. So I think in, in camp, we, it's an amazing atmosphere and an environment to kind of, allow the children to go into the unknown and to like push their limits and things like that. But with that can bring up other situations. Um, so I, I, um, I strongly believe like breath is one of the things that we, we do innately, but we can also be very aware of our breath. So I think learning those techniques and whether they need to be, you know, technically explained to a child or not, um, I think there is so much science behind what we can do and what our breath can do for us. Uh, so even like the extending our exhales, you know, that we know that that is related to the vagus nerve, which is like, can, it's our parasympathetic nervous system. So it, it calms us down. It like, it brings us that um, lower heart rate and all of these things. So from a, from that kind of angle, like looking at it, the anatomy of our body, you know, that might be a way you might explain it to, to the staff and to the counselor. So they're like, okay, like I can get behind this, even if I'm, you know, not in a yoga world or anything like that, or, you know, mindful might be like, "Ah, I don't know about that, but but kind of finding the different approaches. And then how wonderful would that be if instead of having to talk a child into how to breathe while they're already up on the ropes course, you know, starting to go into this 
this mode of, you know, possible anxiety, you can, you can start the activity with, okay, we're going to take four part breaths, or, or we're going to do our extending of our exhales, you know, just or even or even counting, you don't even have to be as transparent to like, you know, naming it just okay, we're counting up, we're inhaling for four, we're going to exhale for six. Um, and just kind of already implementing that, but knowing that the intent behind that is to, to, to get into this rest kind of mindset of we're getting our we're getting calm um so that when they're starting to go up there you can you can continue with the breathing as they're as they're you know climbing 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 and as they're going across um, i think that's one good example of you know how you can use breath work in actually in the activity it doesn't pull away it doesn't it's it's an enhancer it's a it's a it helps um However, I, I always believe that it's individual. So you might have the, the, the children that get very excited and amped up on the chanting, like the go, 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 like that could be something. So it, it's, it comes back to always learning individually and kind of like assessing that. But even that is a form of what we do in the yoga practice, our mantras. So, you know, you might start the day off as a group with the mantra of, you know, peace or community, and that carries out throughout the day, like, and maybe you're up there and you're, we're pushing our, you know, having almost like an energy, like an energy exchange of, you know, we are, we're sending positive vibes to the person up there, you know, there's, there's so many things we do, um, that we can kind of implement it, I think, very, and this, uh, this, I have, um, great success with in on board with a lot of the meetings I have with my leaders is doing some type of pranayama uh, breathing technique before before a meeting um, and a, a good example of one is alternate nostril breathing so annulum velum Sanskrit for that what it does is it's it's equalizing the breath between your left and your right nostril which then is giving you access to both hemispheres of your brain so it allows you to tap into that creative, but also that rational mindset too. So it, it really can help with making a meeting more productive, allowing people to be more open to listening, to being present and focused and having that concentration as well. So um, yeah, I feel like it can be used from, you know, from literally the top all the way down to how do we implement this with campers as well. Excellent. Excellent. It's so much nicer than what I used to say, which is leave it at the door. We're going to get <laughs> We're going to be productive right now. <laughs> With the directive. I just want to add on that Tanya, what Tanya is uh, making the point of to me is um, you don't start all this at the moment of need or practice, you know, or crisis, I should say. People will ask that all the time. Well, how do I calm down? We're like, well, not at that moment. So, so why practice mindfulness every day, like exercise? Because then when you need it, you've got it. So yes, we benefit every single day. But then when these moments happen and we have to be reactive, we've already practiced it almost like a drill. So it comes second nature uh, rather than I was breathing and I didn't work. And, well, no, no, it did not <laughs> at that moment. Um, and I just was thinking of a few other visuals I used to use for kids to talk about breath. If you have if you have them blow up a balloon and, and talk about just letting the air out slowly and what are other ways and we can pop it and that's when you explode. So we didn't use our breath well and with managing emotions. And then I've also just brought out bubbles 
simple, simple, blow bubbles, and they're breathing. And then with speakers, um, I went, when I'm trying to teach them about breath, but, but trick them into not thinking about it, I, I will just, if I can, like almost like an eye exam, I'll put my, my finger out and say my right hand is crossing all the way across my chest. And I say, say this sentence, but watch my finger as you say this sentence and say the sentence the whole way you know, until it's done. And what they don't know is they, they did it all on one breath and then they take a breath. So with kids, I'll do that same thing. I'll say, okay, everybody put your finger up and we're going to go across our chest and we'll say a sentence like today, I'm going to be kind and compassionate. So I slow it way down, way down, way down, take a breath. And what, so they're, I'm not teaching them to breathe necessarily. I'm just distracting them and they're slowing down and taking that breath. So hopefully those visuals come through in the audio. Campwire is made possible through the generous support of our sponsors. Private lessons and one-on-one -on -one offerings are on the rise. Does your camp management platform make it easy to set up listings, automate availability management, and take bookings for private sessions all in one place? New from Camp and Class Manager, Active Reserve makes booking one-on-one -on -one lessons a breeze with easy-to-use, mobile-friendly, private scheduling solutions. Learn more at activenetwork.com forward slash ACA. Active Reserve, a better way to book. I think um, I just wanted to say as well, um, we're, we're talking a lot about the calming, and I think that that is usually... Um, what people think of when we when we talk about mindfulness and all of that and and it is it's the calming it's the being present um with some of the yoga you know more of the physical asanas and some of the breath work as well can actually ignite um energy too so i think that you know not just um for those that might be listening that are like oh well it just sounds like you we want our kids you know <laughs> just calm the whole time and you know there's there's energy to be let out as well so i i do believe there's also specific situations where you might want to energize your your children you know you're about to go on the field and this is the time that they can get it all out so you know there's um a lot of different exercises um and and activities that you can do to ignite the energy um for children as well so i think just just to go on the the opposite spectrum of that for those that are listening okay how do i how can we apply this to even high level that we want the children to be at high level you know we want them to be exerting um and running across the field and doing whatnot so i do yeah. different things as well. that's so true because you know another example if if what it means mindfulness is right here right now to me the best example is laughter spontaneous laughter means that whatever just happened through osmosis came to me, skipped the prefrontal cortex. I didn't have to think about whether I thought it was funny. It, and it just hit me, hit my amygdala, and I released it. So if you're laughing and when I notice what makes somebody laugh, I go for it, right? I try, I'll do anything to get people to laugh because you're right here right now. So laughter. And then with camp games, Simon says, you know, it's just get people, they're paying attention or uh, simple. I, I, you know, what I spy with my little eye, you're, you're playing these games, but improv games. Mm -hmm. So improv games, simple things like what I call sound ball, instead of, of tossing an actual ball, you're tossing a sound and you pick somebody. And I'd say, John, sound ball, a brrr, ta, 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 ta. 
And then you have to catch that sound in your body and repeat that sound. And then you pick somebody else and do the same thing. You know, all of these improv type of examples and improv games, that's mindfulness and it's fun. You've got to be present to make improv work. You, you yes. can't be somewhere else for that. Um, let's let's talk about um, start of day. So Tanya, you were talking about there's times uh, that you pull a tool out of your toolbox and knowing who we're working with, you know, and what they need, you're applying that certain tool to that certain person. What about times of the day? And thinking about um, the camp day, what are some of the things that you'd like to do at the start of the camp day um, to get people in the right mindset? Um, so I, I believe, so it starts, it starts with the, the staff. So whether, you know, a lot of times camps will start with you're on your own, whether you're, you know, picking up the children or you're coming to camp on your own. So I would almost, it's almost part of the checklist to do a check-in with yourself, like set in a personal intention as a counselor, what, what am I, or as a director, what am I achieving today? So I think it really starts on that individual basis, connecting to, to, to you today. And then that way, because then you'll be the one to lead the same type of thing for a group, whether it's a group of children or whether it's a group of fellow leaders. Uh, and in order to really lead that, you gotta kind of set the example within yourself. So I would definitely say at start of day, having a, a, an intention set, or even just starting a day with a, a, a moment of gratitude as well. Like, you know, just coming at an angle of being thankful for where you're at and seeing the blessings can can also be a way of just setting your intention because it's hope it's opening you up to continuing to seeing to seeing the the love and life around you and um, and then this actual start of day uh it you know as I'm, I'm visualizing you know a whole camp in front of you and you're like the director up at the you know the top of the stage and you're about to get this going and a lot of times again like a start a day i think a lot of us are we're here for the energy we're here to like get you get the kids you know excited however <laughs> what i've seen in my experience is if you're a group that's about to go do a really low activity and you've just got all the super hyped up <laughs> you're now having to bring the kids back down so i really think that just starting off with just breath to begin with because you have to either one you're you can then navigate to your personal activity so you you need breath to be calm you need breath to have energy so just kind of doing this four-part breath like we're breathing in together and you can make it fun it doesn't have to be serious like you know add laughter laughter is part of breathing you know like inhale and ah let it out ha ha you know um but just kind of uh, doing something as a union and then recognizing that you still need to go off and, and, and prepare your group for what you are about to do specifically. And it can't be across the board all the time. So then as an individual group, it might be that you are at a low activity. And so maybe you're coming up with the mantra of the day. Um, maybe you're doing a, your own uh, meditation of, of gratitude. Maybe we're, we're starting off our day with saying what we're grateful for or what we're grateful to about to do or you know whatever it might be. Or maybe you're at a high energy, you're out on the field and you do some of these. Uh, I love this karate chop. It's in one of the series. It's called Pabamuktanasa series. It's um, it's energy blockages. And it's 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 one of the most fun postures I've ever done. Uh, you basically you lift your arms up as if you're like going to um, 
axe, like axe a piece of wood and you're inhaling up and as you're shooting down in between your legs, you're, ah, oh, and you're letting it go. But the amount of energy, and if you're listening to this, just take a second and do it because you will get a surge of energy in your body. So maybe you're as a group doing a couple, you know, chopping wood is, a, is another phrase that we use it as, um, and you're getting your energy up and running and then and then you're going on. And I, I do think if this is already part of your day to day, you already kind of have these proactive approaches kind of implemented and they're, they're part of your programming. So you, you have your schedule, you kind of know, um, but you're also creating such a massive toolbox by just doing these stuff actively that if you do get a curveball, which we all get curveballs, you can kind of pull things out of your out of your box and you're like, oh, okay, well, well, we didn't expect to do horses right now, but you know what? We're going with the flow. What are we grateful for? <laughs> we're grateful for the walk that we're now gonna take up to the horse, you know, things like that. So that's, yeah. I, I've been in the yoga class when they did that ax chop and I have to say, I get distracted because I'm quite concerned. People seem very, very into it. <laughs> that would have been me. <laughs> I'm like, oh. <laughs> But I know it's good. I just come back to my breath. I try not to stare. <laughs> Campwire is made possible through the generous support of our sponsors. Quest Diagnostics wants to help bring kids back to summer camp. Quest's COVID-19 testing solutions are designed to help campers easily monitor their COVID-19 status and minimize the spread of infection so kids can enjoy camp all summer long. Start your program today at questbacktocamp.com. <laughs> Susan, can you imagine some, some start of day things to do? Yes, I love what, you know, what Tanya said about intention. And the only thing I add to that sometimes is I break the day up into chunks, at least three because it's hard to hold the intention. You ask people at the end of the day, what was your intention? I ask people what they did over their weekend, they can't remember. So even the intention, like, I don't know, it sounded good. So I try to, to have people um, connect with it in the morning, let's pay attention, then let's do a check-in. And either you're gonna share what you noticed with your intention, even if it was a struggle, that's fine. We're just noticing what we're noticing and then maybe at lunch and maybe in the evening, or so to break it up three times because um, it's hard. Um, and the other, the other thing that I add in is a body scan. So just waking up, just waking up in the morning and not boom, going right away. It was just taking a moment to imagine a, a body scan of, of either a waterfall or a warm feeling of just, just what are you feeling from the top down, scanning down? How am I feeling? How am I feeling? And you can do that body scan throughout the day, especially if we're, if you could think of it as energy rising, like Tanya talked about managing your energy, picture your toes, picture that bubble coming up, picture the excitement, the enthusiasm, bring, it goes out, hands out, and we can do it coming down, bringing the temperature down the other way. So that's just a few others of how I start and end a day. Excellent, excellent. So more on the end of day, Tanya, what are you thinking? Um, we've got day camps, we've got resident camps. I'm imagining resident camp directors and staff love great techniques for helping people calm down and get ready for bed. Um, I also imagine that day camp directors want kids leaving with that same gratitude you were talking about in the morning uh, for what they've accomplished through the day. Because I think a lot of them get home and the parents say, 
what did you do today? And they said, I didn't do anything, you know, so maybe reinforcing with it. But what, what do you think about uh, end of day for, for different camp types? I think the end of day is always a good uh, opportunity for reflection. So whether that is reflection of one thing that you're going to share, because um, I do, I know uh, we mentioned earlier, you mentioned earlier, storytelling. I'm a, I love storytelling, which is why just any, any organic conversation I love, because sometimes more times than not, a story will come out of it. <laughs> um, and so it could even just be a reflection to what story can you tell today to somebody? And it can just kind of seems more like a meditative reflection. Um, so you're, Sitting and you can use the mudras of you know palms facing down as a as a reflective symbol um, and I think that more times than not whether you're going to bed or about to maybe get on a journey to getting home it does it does ring to me like a more a calming um, energy level is is desired more than not um, so coming kind of coming down to a unified what are we grateful for individually? Um, but then also, is there anything you can kind of end the day with that you can um, kind of pick up positively to bring to the start of day the next day, like kind of making them connect, especially if you are in a camp that has the same um, campers from day to day. I mean, it would be lovely to have this, uh, a constant thread of like, ooh, and, and I'm excited for this tomorrow, or, you know, I'm ending this today, but then tomorrow we're you know, maybe, maybe we said, um, you know, compassion is, is something we're going to be working on throughout the week. So if you're, you know, just kind of, how can you make a, a true connection in like a community within your little group? And it, is it something you can add to your start and your end? Um, but yeah, I do. I think at the end of the day, it's a, it's a perfect time for, if I had to say one word, it's just reflection. How do we, how can we reflect on our day? And how do we also look forward to to what's what's coming up next as well. <laughs> and I would say with kids helping with directed reflection because we know nighttime is the hard time for a lot of people. Uh, that's when it gets quiet, we're not full of activity and then all of the regrets or thinking through things kind of pops up. I specialized in girls uh, health and wellness for many, many years. So they recount their day, You know, they do it play by play. And so the directed reflection is so great. What's something I learned today? What's something I'm proud of? What do I want to learn more about or grow tomorrow? Uh, those types of, of questions. During the pandemic, especially, I learned from another storyteller, a great journaling or reflection for people who don't like to journal and write. I love it when people will write and not on their phone, but the tactile pick up a pen and write. So uh, if they're making their own journals and there's trust, I love that. But the question that this storyteller directed me to was in particular what at the end of the day you write down what made today different than any other day so that days don't go by and weeks don't go by and then you know every day you're looking for something to happen and that could be an internal thought today I remembered when I had strawberry shortcake for the first time or today was the first day I noticed that an eagle 
is up in this tree today. I learned something. And, and then, you know, I'm desperate because I'm competitive this way, I guess I need to come up with something better than my husband. <laughs> so yeah, but 10 o'clock at night, if I haven't done anything, I'm, I'm looking at books. I'm, you know, trying to do anything to say, oh, today is different than any other day. And when you look back at that particular journal, it's very uh, rich with detail that we were present in each day. So I like that directed reflection. Camp Wire is made possible through the generous support of our sponsors. Camp Testing is your one-stop shop for at-home COVID testing for campers and staff, rapid antigen testing at camp, PPE at discounted prices, and ventilation equipment. If you are looking for accurate COVID-19 test results in 24 to 36 hours, paid by insurance, online registration, and admin access for camps to see all the results in one place, and affordable rapid antigen testing, go to camptesting.com to learn more. Um, another area I can imagine uh, people centering and being present and, and that sort of thing. And Tanya, you talked about proactive and reactive is in conflict management. So let's talk about some proactive things that we can help counselors and, and kids learn and then some reactive techniques. You touched on a little bit earlier, but let's keep it in the, the camp context for a moment. Tanya, what would you do uh, preparing kids who we know conflict is gonna come up? What would you do with them uh, what suggestions do you have? Uh, well, part of the proactive, I believe, is is goes back to breath. I think it's the tool we we can use in, in any and every situation. Um, so if we're needing to approach and be calm, you know, really focusing on our exhales for that, um, and that would be that would be proactive and reactive actually, because even within a conversation, um, you are still breathing. So by just kind of continuing to tune into that. Um, using using fingertips to kind of remind yourself of that not to bring focus away from listening but being able to you know have and i and i'm not an expert in um in tapping but i know that there it, it's a practice that i use individually not anything i necessarily would teach yet um but just having a sensation of awareness of where you're at feeling your body and 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 allowing yourself to focus and to listen um active listening is huge for any conflict resolution because in order to to truly understand the other perspective you have to listen to it <laughs> so I think that a lot of times we talk about putting yourself in other people's shoes and having that perspective um, having an actual visualization uh, meditation can be very helpful as well you know both parties whoever it might be having you know we say what is it like to be in the other person's shoe? And, and that might be complicated for a child to necessarily do. However, just, just taking a moment and just think, what is one thing I think the other person would like to um, hear from me or hear for themselves? And just really trying to be able to do that, not in full detail, because I think that a time is also of an essence and there might just be one staff member. There's so many dynamics that can, can, that can make these um, situations harder to achieve, but I think making that it, making it a priority is important. So um, I think, yeah, I think that this visualization meditations can be helpful. Um, breathing techniques, of course, 
and the this the intent to listen before responding and having that be and that could be practice that's another thing that's proactive that could be practice so when even when the situations are not heightened and it's not a conflict but teaching children the importance of actively listening or and can be of just talking about your day you know and really implementing that as part of how we communicate so that when you do have a conflict it's not them learning it for the first time like oh i ha oh i have to listen i have to listen like it, it's a part of what we already it's how we already communicate that's excellent susan you were talking about that earlier too of you can't really teach the skill when someone's in that heightened emotional state that sort of thing um, what other advice do you have about um, using mindfulness for difficult conversations and things yeah. Um, first of all, I, I want to expand on what Tanya said. She mentioned tapping. And for, for people who are unfamiliar with that, um, the a larger term is called the emotional freedom technique. And anyone can practice it for calming down if you do get to that state. So you can look up the tapping solution, a book. There's a, a really simple video, but it involves a, a mix of psychology of saying, statements in a certain way and tapping on the body in nine specific pressure points in a particular pattern. Very easy to use. I use it with children and, and adults. So I would encourage people just look up the tapping solution and you'll get information on that. The other part of to be aware of something else to, to stay present is understanding what's called the ladder of inference. Um, it's in conflict resolution, but basically it's saying that very quickly we notice, we notice things, but we, we jump to assumptions without remaining curious. And then our assumptions make us limited on the information we pick up about a situation. And of course, we're going to have a confirmation bias. And, and if I think that you're lazy and don't show up on time or don't do your part of the bargain, that's all I pick up. And then that escalates into conflict. So the mindfulness comes in is slowing way down at the very beginning of, I notice that we showed up at the same time and were asked to share this duty and my part is done and you're sitting down. So right there, slow down. <laughs> and I, I want to jump to the next part, my assumption, slow down. And here it is. This is the antidote to all conflict. Stay curious. Hmm. What's going on? I'm really, I'm not going to, I'm not asking in a judgmental way. I'm curious. This is what I notice. What do you notice? So that, that moment of, I gotta, I gotta slow way down. I'm not going to make up my story yet. And then in camp, I'm not going to pass on my bias story <laughs> and get people on my team. <laughs> That's how it grows right? That's how it yeah. grows. So if I could, if I could teach two words for conflict resolution, it would be stay curious. You can't be curious and judgmental at the same time. And curiosity is being in the moment. You have to be engaged. That's excellent. Very, very helpful. All right. So um, thinking about uh, your, your people on board, Tanya, um, what's how describe the effect that this has been on your staff and by extension uh, your your customers? Um, I think well for staff it's this um, it's self I've noticed a lot self-doubt kind of diminishes 
it's this, this confidence grows because you feel, I think when people feel more in, and it's not always an emotional thing, but more often it is when you, when you're needing to be calm, it's because you're in a state of non, of not being calm. Um, so I think this, uh, I'm having, having control over these emotions and I'm not, you know, I'm able to still articulate what I'm wanting to say or what I'm wanting to do. Um, I think it gives, it gives people confidence. And when you have this confidence and this reassurance with yourself, then those that you're interacting with can um, see that and feel that. And in themselves, hopefully it kind of hires everybody by everybody's vibration. Um, so I think the biggest thing I see in the people I work with on board and, and not is just this, this confidence, right? Like raises and the self doubt slowly kind of goes away and it's, it's there they can trust themselves again. And I think that's the most important trust we can have is with ourselves. Excellent, excellent. And Susan, I imagine you work with people who have stage fright uh, when you're coaching them on presentation and storytelling and things. Um, how, how would you use some of these techniques and or what, are you, what are you seeing in those people that you're helping? Yeah, that's so true. It's literally the fright comes in um, when a person leaves the moment. And they go into their interior dialogue and, and their conversations with their positive people are judging them. Everyone's noticing their flaws rather than staying in the moment. So staying in the moment, it, sometimes I will just say the first thing you do is connect with the person. Look for kind eyes, ask a question. Ask a question and focus on the idea. What idea do you want to talk about or translate to this person what's the idea so right now I say idea a lot because I'm also a speaker coach for TEDx Seattle and it's all about ideas and I get to work with very high level speakers who have this same thing happen they're brilliant they have these ideas and then this fright comes in about well what are people going to think about the way I'm standing or ums and ahs people don't care they just want to understand your idea and 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 to know that those listening to you they want you to do well and in a conversation no one's sitting there thinking boy I hope this person's awful so I have something to talk about later nobody goes to a presentation they're all in and I will tell you the best audiences to speak for is ACA Oh, <laughs> oh well, my goodness. Oh my gosh. The friendliest, kindest people. <laughs> well, thank you. Yes. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. Um, so what else? Uh, what else inspires you? So working with uh, resistant people, um, making them feel confident. What else, what else inspires you? Tanya, what, what inspires you? I mean, it might sound a little bit cliche because we've kind of already mentioned. I'm all about cliche. Is <laughs> the conversation? It it really is. Um, um, even on my Instagram right now, I started a, my own little mini series. It's called um, "Inspiring Union Through Conversation" because I just love to see and where a conversation can go. Um, I think when you kind of get into the meat of it, that just the real authenticity of a person's beliefs and then insides and their experiences just kind of pour out. Um, and that's where I find I've 
gotten some of my favorite little quotes from or real like life lessons that I haven't even needed to experience something, but because I've heard somebody's true story and seen the emotion or the truth behind it, it, it really can breed such inspiration. And the whole, the whole series started because I just thought, I kept paraphrasing my friends to other friends like, oh, you know, that my friend of mine had a really great experience and this is the lesson they learned. And I thought, you know, what if I, what if I did these conversations where I don't have to quote it, quote it later, like someone else can watch it and be a witness to such an inspiring conversation that is just sparked from one question. So I, yeah, conversations, I think is my, what keeps me going and inspired differently every day. Excellent. Excellent. Thanks. And Susan, what inspires you? Well, definitely the stories that we tell ourselves and tell others. And all of this mindfulness is one nugget under the large umbrella of self-care. So I find that self-care is so misunderstood uh, that people don't, especially in camp, right? Especially in camp, givers, givers, givers. And self-care is not an indulgence. It is not bonbons and baths and I'm going to go spend a lot of money and look at me, I'm having champagne, self-care. No, <laughs> no. Um, self-care is a direct measurement of self-worth. You are worthy enough to take time to maintain your state of being because it translates to the way you experience the world and share your gifts. And it's not sexy. It's not flashy. It's not for Instagram. It's, did you floss your teeth today? Are you worth that? Or are your gums bleeding because you're going so fast, right? Did you, did you mindfully put good food into your body? Did you, did you read something that fed your mind? Did you breathe? That's mindfulness. So it's, it's not, did you clean out a drawer because your mind's clear of clutter? So now you know what items that you're supposed to keep in your life. That's all self-care. So, so I am passionate about that. I wish I could change healthcare reform, but my way is self-care reform, self-care reform. And then we're going to change an industry, but it starts with us. So if you can't tell a little passionate about that. That's excellent. That's excellent. And you shared such a great resource on tapping. Um, are there any other resources that either of you can think of that someone who may be, uh, not resistant, but less inclined to the yoga world that Tanya was talking about. Um, what you know? What resources uh, can you can you suggest? You've you've both given us really practical applications for this. So I think if I came to this uh, podcast un, uninitiated or un, uh, un, uninformed about it, I would be very interested in how applicable these these techniques are what other resources come to mind um for me i think in i mean in the in the world of apps <laughs> i think um one of the apps that i've i've enjoyed and i know there's there's goods and bads with everything um the dualities right but um insight uh, insight timer is a great one it, i think it's good for at least you know entering and searching because there's such a variety of different types of meditations they even do movement and um and it's a good it's a good way to support others that are you know kind of either starting or have been in this field for a while because then you have um you know people that have been in this industry and putting out uh resources for a long time like uh, deepak chopra even has them on there 
he's another one for me that I've, I've related to a lot. So even just going to deepakchopra.com, he's got a, a lot of resources on and in his uh, website as well, as, as well as meditations that you can listen to five, 10 minutes. Um, and just, I mean, he also is an author, so he's got plenty of books and things like that. But the, those are two from, from, from my world that has helped me. Excellent. I'm going to go in a, a bit of a different direction and, and have people explore growth mindset versus fixed mindset, the work of Carol Dweck and many psychologists. And here's why, because I, in the heart of Seattle, I'm just in a very techie achievement-based performance-based arena and therefore self-worth is attached to performance. And for kids coming to camp, you can tell the kids that have been in the gifted program, right? One of the worst ideas ever, according to Carol Dweck, because they're special, but they don't know why. And, and they're in process. So here's how I, I feel like this goes into mindfulness, because now we get this person who has a fixed mindset about achievement and benchmarks, and they think mindfulness is that too. Am I doing it right? <laughs> Am I doing it? Have I done it? And then they're done. And do I get an A? And it's, it's not, right? It's a, it's a process, and it's a state of being not having arrived. And that's a tricky thing to teach people because they, they want it to be there already. So by exploring the growth mindset, which is everything camp is about, <laughs> uh, you can attach mindfulness to that, that it is a process and we're not trying to get somewhere. We're on a constant growth pattern to go to the next area and we're going to be present and just see the lessons we learned and apply them the next day. So if, if you need a brush up or are unfamiliar with that, there's lots of videos and books by Carol Dweck that I would direct people to. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I want to thank both of you for your time. Um, this has been incredible. If you're listening to this for the first time, stop it. Stop everything that you're doing. Go back to the beginning. Listen to it again. Stop multitasking while you do it. Um, this, is, this has been really great. Um, I, I hope that we can all notice what we notice and, uh, and, stay, and stay more present. Um, how can our listeners stay connected with you? How can they, how can they find you for additional uh, conversation? Tanya, how do, how do people stay in touch with you? The easiest way um, is Instagram. My it's uh, at Ananda and Joy and is spelled out. Um, so yeah, I think that that's the easiest way. I think in, through direct messaging, if you want to um, speak about anything private or know a little bit more about how I can um, help you, whether it's resources or just conversation. <laughs> excellent, excellent. And Susan. Yeah, I think the easiest way is just to head to my website, susanfee.com, and to learn a little bit about me, a little bit more, you can head to the, the speaking page and watch the videos that I have on YouTube. I tell a lot of uh, personal stories through the Moth. I've been on the Moth Radio Hour and a lot of storytelling within Seattle. So if you want to get a sense of me, then it's through my stories and you'll find them there. Excellent, excellent. Well, it has been such a pleasure. I sincerely appreciate your time. Um, and I look forward to working with you both soon on things uh, related to professional development for ACA. Really appreciate it. Thanks again. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.